Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me, as always, is co-host Steve Mez. If it's your first time listening, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the Blaney Racing family for about two decades, and Team Blaney itself has been providing news, notes, and analysis to fans on social media since 2014. So go ahead and pull those belts tight and hang on as we throw the green flag on our recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix at Circuit of the Americas. Steve, first road race of the year in the NASCAR Cup Series. No rain. It was a deluge the last time that the Cup Series visited Circuit of the Americas, and I know everyone was kind of just waiting in anticipation to see what a race at this track um, would be like in the dry. Yeah, it was it was actually really cool to see uh, what uh, what the, what it would do, and um, actually to see how these cars were going to handle a road course because a lot of what they were saying is these cars not specifically designed for road courses, but they were going to handle much better on a road course and uh, give the drivers a better chance to actually show off their, their driving ability. And uh, I think they did. Yeah. And I'm not saying it was easy, but one thing I was mentioning to you before we started was that old mentality of, of NASCAR cars running on a road course was more like, you know, these drivers were manhandling these, you know, heavy stock cars that weren't built for this, you know, around the turns and having to fight it, you know, every inch, it seemed like it took a little bit more finesse this time, uh, especially with just a completely brand new built car, uh, independent rear suspension, you know, bigger tires. Like it's just, it's like you said, it wasn't specifically built to run on road courses, but the car was meant to be just versatile enough to where it could tackle something like this. And um, I, we haven't really talked too much about, you know, how Ryan is liking the next gen car, but just based on all the statistics, he's taken to this car really, really well. And uh, based on what happened over the weekend and how fast he was, um, I don't think uh, anything has changed for him when it comes to road course racing. Still one of the best. Yeah. You know, sneaky good um, because uh, we know that he's good, but uh, the the NASCAR world as a whole, they're kind of like, well, you know, Chase Elliott, this and Chase Elliott, that, and, and even Kyle Larson in the last year or two, but um Ryan is right there underneath the underneath the radar and then he'll jump up and take it when uh, when it's there for him. I mean, last year that second in Indianapolis was great. Um he's really good at staying out of a lot of people's messes uh on these road courses, at kind of anticipating when something's going to happen and not, you know, not getting caught in it if he can. And uh, you know, the Roval definitely proved that a couple of years ago. Uh but this weekend uh, same thing, you know, a lot of this crazy restarts going up the hill in a turn 1. And for the most part, he got out of most of them unscathed. And uh, that really was the key. You know, guys were getting up in there and uh, doing a little spin rama you know. And uh, I like what you said there, sneaky good. That's that's because he doesn't have the wins. He has the one win at the Roval, which still people are like, ah, I just, you know, Alex Bowman style backed into that one. Um, but, <laughs> you know, right place, right time. You have to put yourself up there. But sneaky good. Yeah, that's really good because he has really great statistics there. You know, usually finishes top five, top ten. Um, has the speed usually has the strategy and um, definitely has the skills behind the wheel to contend at these races, which makes them exciting and five more on the schedule. And um, you know, 
did he ran really well this weekend he did almost win the clash you know i like to bring that one up the clash when it was on the daytona road course he was a turn away from winning that until uh one of his bffs kind of took him out (laughs) so Mm -hmm. took both of them them out in that race so uh, he was really close to winning another road course race there um one other thing to bring up that it's this really threw the drivers off going into this weekend so on the simulator and everything else i racing all the stuff that they do to prepare for these races uh the circuit of the americas track had the turtles in the s's to stop you know really kind of stop the drivers from going off track or using more track than they really were supposed to um, I guess, you know, Ryan and some of the other, other drivers were saying they were shocked when they got to the track this weekend um, and found out that they had actually not placed them or they placed them and then removed them. So what this did was put NASCAR really into the position where they had to make a ton of judgment calls throughout this race. And I know we're going to talk about it in the recap, but between the truck race, the Xfinity race and the cup race, several drivers were getting penalized for going outside of the track limits, just in that kind of specific section, there was the red and big red and white paint on the track. And basically you had to stay within that. You couldn't go all the way outside of it, or you're going to get penalized. And at this track compared to maybe the Roval and some of the other road courses where you can just do a stop and go, like you can just pull off and stop for a matter of time and then pull back onto the track. You were severely penalized at Coda because you had to make a pass through penalty down pit road that, um, which you can make up if it was early in the race with stage breaks and cautions and things like that. But if you had one of those penalties late in the race, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I was going to, you know, they were trying hard to, to police it, but uh, as we find out later on in the report, there are some people who get treated differently. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. It just seems like that. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to just blurt that out and say, well, that's what I think. But um, having listened to a couple other things in the days uh, afterward, uh, there were more than, than one report about cer- certain things happening and, and people getting away with things. And, yeah. poor Bor- and then poor Boris said, you know. <laughs> right off the bat, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to, com- you know, complain about the calls that they did make. Um, maybe complain a little bit, a little bit about calls that they didn't make. I'm just more concerned that they put themselves in the position to have to make these calls. And I get it. The turtles, you know, last year with as low as those cars ran to the track, you know, these cars are pretty low too. destroyed some cars. So I can see why they didn't want to put them out there, but yeah, just the judgment calls made it really, really difficult to deal with throughout this race. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see what happens at Indy this year, yeah. what they do, what they do to combat with uh, the issue they had over there too, with uh, the curb that they had. Put so, in. yeah. So like I said, I think everyone in the NASCAR industry, fandom world drivers teams were all excited to get to Coda and see how this race would play out. So I think I'm excited for us to go back through our recap of Ryan Blaney's run at circuit of the Americas. Yeah. Let's go back to Saturday first. Cause Saturday we did practice. Ryan, you know, Ryan and, uh, was in group a, uh, they did a practice and then, the, you know, the qualifying pretty much right afterward. Um, it was kind of interesting to listen to because, you know, the week weeks prior, we got the, that Atlanta race where it's constant information and constant action and, you know, practice at a road course is let's get spread out and run some turns and see how the car handles. And really you're not running up against anybody. So there are long periods of time where I don't really hear Josh or the other spotters on the radio at all, uh, because there's nothing to talk about. Uh, he's by himself and he's, you know, down through turns five, six, seven, eight, you know, the hairpin 11, you know, all those different things. And, uh, the main thing at that point was just, how's the car handling and what can we do to adjust it? 
Yeah, and um, from what I remember from this practice, it was pretty much non-eventful, right? Yeah, a few laps in, he's about the eighth fastest, uh, about a, a second and a half back. Um, and then, yeah, and then and then this happens. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, your your sarcasm is so good and, and so on point. Uh, ten, turn eleven or turn ten. I'm sorry. Uh, Ryan does a little spinorama and uh, backs into this soft wall. Um, but what's cool about it is it was a soft wall and it was like a soft landing and um, scratched up the, the quarter rear quarter panel a little bit, uh, but uh, they were able to go ahead and just take off out of there. Didn't need towed out or anything like that. Yeah. Ryan said he learned a good lesson. And I, you know, though I said a little bit ago that they got, they didn't run those, you know, big turtles on the inside of the turns, they were still curbing. So in this case, Ryan kind of hopped the curbing that was there car landed, got out of shape and yeah, spun out, went into that wall. Um, they had mentioned, you know, we talked about this next gen car and it's uh, versatility. It's also super strong. And um, so if the old car even would have hit the soft wall, there would have been a lot of bent up sheet metal, probably blown tires and various other things. Um, but this car is a little bit more durable when it comes to that. So yeah, he was able to, didn't really even have to limp back to the pits, was able to get back to the pits. Um, that was left it scuffed up for the rest of that, the day, mm-hmm. but nothing was broken. And that was really great to hear because, you know, they're getting set up to go qualifying here. And as we've seen at some of these other races where people have had in- incidents in practice, uh, pretty much no matter what the qualifying doesn't really mean anything except for pit selection. They're going to the rear, but we didn't have to deal with that this time. No. Um, now he goes back out after, you know, if they look it over and um, the 18 at that point's the top of the board, but uh, Ryan by uh, his sixth lap jumps up to P2 um, 0.43 sec- six seconds back. So, you know, they figured out right away that there was no- nothing wrong with the car, that it was going to run fine. Uh, yeah. The- 18 at- yeah, I was going to say the other thing to notice, and you, you, I'm probably just stealing your thunder, is that, you know, loose and fat or loose was fast. And I think maybe you're about to say the 18 spun 18, too. So, the 18, yeah, the 18 ends up spinning out here, uh, you know, after putting the top speed up there. So, um, and right near the end of the practice there, uh, the 15 car's tire just delaminated, which was kind of a weird and scary thing that I'm sure Goodyear didn't want to see. Right. Really, really weird because, and it concerned me. I was like, oh man, are we setting up for like a really bad weekend where I'm, I'm not, I don't, I'm sure they took that tire back and they were examining it and maybe they've already figured out what the issue was, but it was something I'd never really seen before. And I was kind of describing to you that it looked like, you know, when you're out on the highway in a, in a semi-trailer tire delaminates and it just starts flapping around and eventually just flies off to the side of the road because that's what it looked like. And I mean, I don't know how these tires are put together, but it's just so odd to see because the tire was still up, the air was still on the tire, but that top layer of tread was just flopping around. And um, again, different with the next gen car uh, because that fender just bolts on, the fender basically just flew off eventually. So the damage wasn't too horrible to that car, but man, I was concerned that we were going to have tire issues the rest of the way. And thankfully we can report that that was the only one that did that all day and and outside of i think suarez who will run into trouble in this race tires really weren't that big of an issue at all and again Mm -hmm. speaking of the durability of the car um all the beating and banging that they did no flat tires no flat tires um so ryan is second fastest in group a's uh practice there group b's practice uh the 99 car ends up being the fastest in group b um a lot of those guys times were uh right in there with Ryan's and, and, uh, and Kyle's actually. Um, so the, uh, 
they do group A and group B qualifying first before they do the poll. So top five of each group go to poll qualifying. Well, in group A, it was the 41, the two, the 31, the 11, and the 12 barely hangs on um, and gets that fifth position. Um, it looked like they were about to go out actually at the end of the end of the session to, to do another lap if they had to, but uh, luckily they didn't. Um, group B's fast five was the 90, 98, the 20, the 22, and the 48. So those are the 10 that go for the poll. And um, <laughs> Ryan does it again. The second poll of the year, um, the 99, uh, this was the best part was the 99 was on the track. Ryan already ran his lap. He was sitting around in the pit area. Uh, they were all watching telemetry or whatever. And Ryan probably give us one of those great gifts, you know, where he's just makes that face that he made like, Ooh, yeah. I was going to say, it's it, like it, that it was shiver. That close. Yeah. That little yeah. shiver thing. It was that close, uh, at the line there for the, for the poll, but he got it. Yep. Like and, you said, uh, second one of the year. And it just, you know, just kept saying it's just another example of uh, obviously Ryan's skill behind the wheel, but just Jonathan Hassler and team Penske bringing just an incredibly fast car to the racetrack and then capitalizing on it and uh, starting from the pole and getting that number one pit stall for the race. Yeah. Um, so we get to Sunday and to the rear, we got the uh, 27, the five, the 16, the 34, the 43, um, 66 the 77 all with unapproved adjustments um and i think the 78 had a three-time inspection failure um so we got stages of 15 30 and 68 um one thing to note too i'm sorry to interrupt you but uh i talked about being concerned with the accident that ryan had in, in practice that if they had to fix anything they would have been an unapproved adjustment so uh, bob pockris had actually put a photo up on sunday morning of the 12 crew actually rewrapping that edge section of the car, which is different from a couple of weeks ago when Joey Logano hit the wall during qualifying, I believe uh, during his lap of qualifying, it might've been in Atlanta. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. I don't remember our uh, Vegas or California. They didn't let the 22 rewrap. So it seems like they've loosened the restrictions a little bit on that. I was concerned that, you know, cause it was pretty decent chunks of the sponsors of that 12 car were, were scuffed up. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I bet you they are happy that that was all patched up and repaired and uh, still got to hold that pole position. So anyway, continue on. Well, part of the difference may have also been that the, the 12 car was, it was scratched off. Whereas I think Joey's was dented. So touching the dented car, they, probably didn't want him to touch the dented car just in case they you know undinged it a little bit somehow you know whereas it was just scratched across on on ryan's and all they were doing was basically put another piece of tape over top of you know so i think that may have been part of it but you know it was cool either way they got to put the sponsor back on there right um yeah we had stages of 15 uh 30 and 68 six sets of tires and the fuel window is 20 to 30 lap green flag laps i say green flag laps because you throw some caution laps in there and you could pretty much get this race in and two pit stops. Which... Yeah. Take note of that fuel. Like you're saying, take yeah, note of that... how many laps you can go. Cause that's going to come into play later. It comes into play later. Um, so yeah, they're in pit stall one. Uh, they do have three spotters. Josh has a mule and another guy named Matt. Uh, and I'm not sure which turns they were down in, but uh, Josh was on top of the hill on the, uh, at the top of turn one. And from there you can see down through most of the course and the other guys carry through a couple of the blind spot areas there. Um, they do a pretty good job all day because you don't say inside or outside. You say driver's left and driver's right um, on a road course. 
so he kind of knows what direction things are coming from. Um, they figured out about like 24 different shifts per lap. Um, and uh, Ryan is, of course, on the inside of turn one at the start there. But the 99 in turn 11 uh, going down a turn, hairpin turn that heads on that straightaway uh, makes the pass. And uh, he ends up leading the lap there. And uh, that car was fast. And track and, house as overall brought some rocket ships to the track, too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, lap two, you know, he's in the he's, he's second and uh, he's got the eight and the 41 and 11 behind him. But he's about a second back. Um, you know, as the laps wind on there, uh, they, they do kind of get stretched out a little bit. Um, but Josh tell him just stay nice and smooth. You know, let's just take care of the car. See what we got. Um, try nope. to update, you know, about five laps in, you know, the great thing about this race was there's no competition caution. Oh yeah. I forgot. To <laughs> yeah. They, they didn't have to stop for any reason there. Um, so about five or six laps in, he asks for an update there and uh, says it won't turn, uh, drive off a little bit and turn 11 is what they kind of need. Um, and they ask about how uh, everywhere else. And he says, just a little free. Um, so once again, the adjustments are not like major swings at things at this point. Um, just, just off the bat, uh, by lap six, he's only about 1.3 seconds back, which is pretty good when you figure it's a couple minutes around that track, you know, um, that, uh, they tell him about certain turns, what, to, what other cars are doing, because you kind of want to get an idea of, you know, the faster lap times, what, what things you might be able to do better. And, uh, by lap seven, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan tells them they ran a really good lap there. Um, basically what, whatever he did in turn 11 was a lot better. He got better drive off of, uh, turn 11. Um, you know, turn 12 is better than anyone else's, you know? So once again, they're telling him how good his telemetry is there compared to the other cars. Um, the 99 and the 12 are running the fastest laps, you know, about 10 laps into the race. And, uh, they're telling, they're telling Ryan that the entry into 12 is where the 99 is beating him. So, you know, just like I said, certain areas, trying to give him an idea of what kind of things he could do to maybe gain on them. Um, and they kind of discuss between Jonathan and Josh, what kind of adjustments they might be able to take uh, to help adjust into 11. Because I've said that last year, I said to turn 11 was the big one to me because you, you, it's a hairpin turn and then it's the longest straightaway on the track. And, you know, coming off of that turn and being able to hit the accelerator quicker than anybody else. And the power that Penske will have under the hood compared to some of the other cars, you know, it, it's, it's really an important area, um, uh, during the race. Um, so they're, they're working on those kind of things, trying to figure out how to get that car a little better in those areas. Um, by lap 12, like I said, still second. Um, and he's only about 1.2 back in the 99. Um, now we're a couple laps ahead of the stage, uh, end of the stage here. And some of the cars start to flat, uh, green flag pit, especially a bunch of the Toyotas. So this is something that, um, alternate strategies is, is going to happen all day on road courses, uh, 36 to 40 cars, whatever it is in each, in these races and 10, 12 of these guys are going to try one thing. Another 10 or 12 guys are going to try something else. And maybe the leaders are going to try this. And, um, What's interesting is if it stays green the whole race, these strategies play out one way. But if you get a caution here or a caution there or two or three cautions in a row, by the end of the race, the strategies all seem to come back together. And then you see whose was a little better than anybody else's. 
Um, so right now, right off the bat, you know, we're getting these strategies and it kind of makes it hard to determine sometimes where you're running because you may have been first or second. And then you, these other people pitted, then you pit later on, they pass you on the track, but they may have to pit three times during the race. You may pit twice, or they may pit four times and you may pit three times. So all these things come into play. Um, and, you know, kind of like gives you, it, it, it kind of gives you a hard way, hard to, to follow uh, throughout the race. So we're starting with this pitting right here before the end of the stage. Um, 13, by lap 13, a bunch more cars pit. And only the top 12 cars at that point didn't pit going to the end of the stage. Uh, the 99 does end up winning the stage and Ryan finishes second, which, you know, huge stage points early in the race, right off the bat. You know, we can't, yeah. can't, you know, can't argue with that. No, a lot of stage points there. And I think the other thing to point out, as you mentioned at that, you know, at that 12 lap mark or so, Ryan was only a little over a second behind the 99. And I think he was actually gaining ground. Mm -hmm. So I think there was a chance, you know, the team probably thought he could go up there. And I think by the end of that stage, he was within relative striking distance of the 99, maybe if he pushed the limits a little bit more. So they, you know, had, they had an opportunity to try to go out there and steal a stage point. So tons of stage points in this, in this first stage by finishing second, but it does kind of set the tone for the rest of the race on what their strategy is going to be. As you said, is going to be different at this point. And um, we'll talk about pit stops here, but it's also going to kind of dictate where they end up for this next restart. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they do come in and pit and um, they do two adjustments to the rear um, of the car and, right away, Jonathan tells them to take care of the fuel the rest of the day. So right away, okay, we've determined that we're kind of in this certain box type of strategy that we're going to run. Um, so let's try to take care of fuel. And like I said earlier, um, it's, you know, 25, 30 laps on a fuel run on under green. Um, and the last, you know, so under green, you, you'd have to stop three times, but you're going to get one more caution at the stage break. And if you get another caution somewhere in there around that, you, might be able to go the whole way on two stops. Um, they restart lap 17 and uh, Josh right away tells them be smart because they're back in the pack a little bit. Now uh, I figured it off of about 26 at this point uh, with all the different cars in front of them that pitted. Um, they only lost a spot or two on pit road actually during that sequence versus the other cars on pit road. Yeah. But, so like I said, yeah, all these was, other cars pitted. Yeah. I was going to say, well, I was talking to you, like a lot of the fans will see, you know, him finish the stage in second come back out way in the back of the pack and assume something catastrophic happened. But like you said, majority, you know, a third of or two thirds of the field all pitted before the stage break. So they immediately are going to jump in front of the 12 team. They also had um, what some of the crew members have said since they, you know, they made two kind of big adjustments on the car and they did lose two spots doing that compared to other teams that probably just came in and got fuel and tire. So um, but for Ryan and the 99 you as you were just kind of going into and Josh telling him to be smart, um, mm -hmm. they're back there in the hornet's nest Yeah, and it's, it's part of the strategy. It's going to put you back there. Um, you just got to try your best to stay clean and, uh, it works out for some does not work out for others. Yeah. You, you at this point, you know, you, you want to work your way past some of the cars you're better than, and then, you know get up with some of the big boys, but then when your strategy works, you know, differently than theirs, you'll be back out front too. So, um, at lap 18, he's up to, uh, 25th and at lap 19 up to 24th here. Um, 
he, you know, on that restart initially, they kind of avoid some things, but they do get scraped up a little bit. They're worried about the front of the car. They look it over and it's just cosmetic things. It just kind of got scratched up. So in pretty good uh, shape there, the two cars leading at this point, uh, but lap 19, but uh, between lap 19 and 25, Ryan gains like about five spots. He's up to 19th at lap 25. Yeah. So he, he you know, he's already gained back more than enough of what he had. Um, and, you know, he's starting to pass a bunch of cars that pitted ahead of him too. So you talked about some incidents that did happen in that first immediate lap and how Ryan got scuffed up a little bit there. Um, the 99 car had dominated that first stage. And you were saying, you know, Josh, everyone's saying how important it was to stay clean. Well, the 99 car got used up in uh, going into turn one and basically um, yeah, ruined the, the rest of, of his race. So mm-hmm. uh, like you said, I mean, it's, it's a gamble with the strategies and everyone's going to do something different, but you just have to know you're going to be back there putting that position. Thankfully, Ryan mostly got through there unscathed and was making those positions back. Yeah. Um, Jonathan at the lap 25, 26 here is talking about staying out till the end of the stage if about 15 or 16 cars pit in front of them and it's really hard to judge this because they're trying to you know that where the pit road is is coming off a turn there and you know right before turn 20 and you're trying to see how many guys duck down and count them off and um they were thinking about a lap 26 pitting but they called called to it too late and this kind of changes the strategy too and you heard about this on uh on uh, XM radio uh, last night about the strategy here. Um, so they end up staying out and at that point gets them all the way up to 10th while they stayed out and at lap 28, a bunch more cars pit and Ryan gets all the way up to fourth now before the end of the stage. Um, the 11 ends up winning the stage and Ryan ends up in fourth. Yeah. So it just keeps patting the bank there. And like you said, I mean, basically Ryan said what you said, you know, they were, they were trying to decide, they're trying to count cars, see who could come in. They called him too late. So he didn't really have an opportunity to pit. So they just kind of have to keep pulling audibles here and they're about to pull another one. You'll talk about, um, with yeah. strategy. Uh, so with it was, strategy. it got really interesting. Yeah. So now the, you know, the last time they pitted was lap 16 and now they're, they're basically put themselves in like this two pit stop window that truthfully, if it goes green long enough after the restart, um, it's going to work out great for them because they'll pit under green. They won't lose a lap. And then a bunch of other people have to pit after they do. Um, so yeah, they do. They say, take care of fuel. Um, Brian says the long run stuff is really decent. Um, like I said, the alternate strategies here are, are you know, kind of coming together a little bit, discounts the call and they stay out at, uh, during the stage uh, break. Um, and uh, two stop strategies are, a classic road course strategy overall. You would see this happen at other places like Sonoma and Watkins Glen um, mm-hmm. it involves stretching the fuel, but it also just involves, you know, taking care of your equipment. And basically what they're looking for here is in this final stage is to try to pit while everybody else is out there racing. And then when mm-hmm. they have to come down pit road, uh, stay out and you assume the lead. So that's kind of the strategy call that they're, they are going for best case scenario. Yeah, they're going to get try to get inside their pit window, you know, and uh, they uh, <clears throat> the <laughs> when they come back out here for the for the, the start of the third stage, uh, the 22 is in the lead and Ryan is in second. Um, unfortunately, when they get to the top of turn one, the 22 just loses it. And I almost Ryan died. Trying, 
Yeah, Ryan is trying really hard basically to avoid it as one ends up being from what we're hearing on the radio chatter. Ryan really didn't do much wrong except had to basically anticipate what the 22 was doing and stay out of his way and keep from getting wiped out. So he lost a couple spots um, during that, um, ends up back in fifth, and the one ends up taking the lead. Um, And then at lap 33, the two spins, Ryan's in fourth at this point. Um, They do stay out for this one. Um, And the top five is actually the one, the 16, the eight, the 12, and the 20. So lap 33, he's right there with a couple of the the main candidates that we're going to see as the race goes on. Um, Then there's restart lap 36. um, And he's up to fifth at this point. The nine ends up passing him and he ends up back in sixth. and lap 37, you know, Josh tells him he's doing a really good job. Just keep hitting your marks. Lap 39, he's in sixth. He's about eight seconds back of the lead. Um, and then we get the caution at lap 40 for the 43. Now, this is the this is the one that if it wouldn't have happened this way, if it would have yeah. stayed green, if it would have stayed green, he would have, you know, had this chance to pit under green, probably in the next couple laps. And then other people would have had to pit after him. He would have had fresher tires, you know, enough fuel to get to the end. Um, but unfortunately the only thing that's bad about everybody pitting at the same time here is a bunch of people pitted at the end of the, at the stage break. Okay. So those people may only have used, I don't want to say a couple of gallons, but yeah, you know, let's not say, as much, let's not say, nearly as much fuel. Let's say 25% of their fuel tank. Okay. Well, Ryan's last fuel stop was a lap 16 over, you know, what is that? 20, uh, 24 laps earlier. So he's used up 75, 80% of his fuel tank at this point, or maybe even more. And he does end up needing more fuel. Um, you know, the stop actually went really well for the guys. Um, but they did have to try to get to a second tank. And the reason also another reason they have to do that is we got to make sure that we make it to the end and, the the bad thing about that is if you short short uh, pit the, the car and don't put enough fuel in there'll be a caution later on for the 12 car running out of fuel on the back stretch somewhere you know so and i get it this was excruciating to watch because ryan's in the number one pit stall he's making his pit stop they've changed all the tires and then you can see the gas man have to reach back get a second can of fuel as the rest of the field basically passes them by um, so I get it. I could, I could see where people were frustrated by it, but that's kind of the strategy they were on. It's one of those situations where, as you just said, if they went about another five laps and Ryan hits his, his fuel window and pits, um, and the caution comes out after that, he's sitting in first place. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, it could have been a genius move. It just didn't play out the way they wanted. And, and Todd Gordon, you know, Ryan's former crew chief talked about on his XM show last night. Um, just the same thing. Say he said the same thing, you know, that fuel man had to go reach back, get a, get a second can because nobody else really needed to do that. And you see all those cars pass him on pit road. So, um, I, I can understand the frustration. We're just trying to kind of tell you the whys because like you just said easily, they could have not put as much fuel in there. It's not really rolling the dice. It's just being dumb. They would run out of gas. So we could have had Ryan had a lightning fast pit stop there and then run out of gas. So I'm not sure which which people would like better to finish the race or run out and and hold position. So I'll leave that up to left to the rest of the fans. Yeah. You know, what's, you know, what's interesting is if it stays green and they do come in and pit, let's say inside the window, um, they might not as need as much gas either at that point, either because they'll have less laps to go, but where they were with the number of laps they had left, if it would have stayed green, the, the rest of the laps too, they were, 
they were kind of iffy on that um, because the, they weren't quite inside the window when they, when they did pit at that point. Um, they, yeah, they he was still being, con- Hassler was still telling him to save, <laughs> save, save fuel. fuel. Um, so the, the restarts at lap 42, um, he's a 19th at this point, but gets up to 17th, basically in turn one, um, past the 99, the 24, he's up to 15th, the 22 decides to spin right there. So we get and lap 44, we get a caution for debris, um, which is the wheel of the 23 car. Um, and they've announced, uh, suspensions for poor booty and, uh, the, a couple of those crew members there. Cause, uh, that car went bouncing, uh, that wheel went bouncing. I guess they said that Bubba said that he thought something had broke loose at the rear end. He didn't know it was yeah. the, actually the wheel had come off. Uh, his spotter had to tell him. Uh, Main that thing that weird. concerns me is that this has been, it's happening to different teams and we haven't actually had it. I don't think the last couple of weeks, but this, when it does happen, it's happening to different teams. So it seems like everyone's kind of learning what the limit is and how long they really need to tighten it. And I believe uh, Bubba spotter had actually said that Bubba caught two other instances this year where the wheel was loose and they were able to fix it before it actually fell off. And this time he noticed something was wrong, but it was too late. So um, I'm just crossing my fingers that that's not a position we end up in because, you know, you're losing, you know, the tire changer, the Jack man and the crew chief for four races and the way the team as a whole uh, has been performing. That would be unfortunate uh, to lose yeah. the, the crew chief for sure. Yeah. So at uh, lap 46, uh, they restart and he's in 14th and he gets to 12th, basically up in the S turns. Um, and uh, this is the first mention on the radio that said, uh, I, I put it in quotation marks, blatantly obvious is what he said. Um, and he's talking he's about got, the five car, right? The five car. Yeah. He's talking about the five car here. Um, being out of bounds and um you know like i said we're not going to harp on it a lot but uh, in the last day or two i've gotten co- co- collaboration from others uh, you know listening to other podcasts that they were not the only ones that were complaining about that car and actually the nine car too i'd heard uh, had been doing the same thing until they were kind of all warned all together. And then they everybody kind of quit doing it. Yeah. But like the funny I said, part about that, a funny part I heard about that, I heard from one of the spotters uh, uh, on door bumper clear was about the Xfinity race. His driver was asking him what other guys were doing and what happens in the mind of the driver is um, if other people are doing it and getting away with it, then you start to think that maybe I should do it. If everybody else is allowed to get away with it, then maybe I should be allowed to get away with it too. And that's why, you know, Ryan's the kind of guy that, you know, you know, he said something because deep down he's thinking, well, if he can do it, yep, maybe I should do it too until somebody tells me no. Yeah. yeah and I think Ryan said it more out of frustration, but yeah, he did basically say that, you know, the, the five's blatantly cutting the track and he's he basically said, well, if he's going to do it, I'm going to start doing it. But I don't think, I don't think Ryan ever ended up testing those, those boundaries. No. But like I said, at the top of the show, uh, it was unfortunate NASCAR, but they put themselves in that position to have to make those judgment calls. And honestly, I think the fewer judgment calls they have to make, the better. And we talked about it uh, before, too, like just how intense it had to be to even try to monitor all that. Obviously, they can have cameras in every turn, but then that takes personnel to be watching every single turn. You know, all 38, whatever drivers mm-hmm. has to be insane to catch every single thing. So. Um, moment of frustration for Ryan a little bit, not like too bad. He wasn't going too no, crazy or anything, no, just, but just, just mentioned something. So. He just said something. He wanted to find out if he could get some feedback, you know, 
Uh, lap 50, he does pass the 11 and the five He's up to 10th. And at this point, the one is leading at lap 52. He passes the 19 gets to ninth. And then at lap 53, we had a caution for the 47. Um, this one ends up being a little controversial too, because the 47 kind of rolled to a slow stop. And while that was going on, a couple cars ducked down pit road quickly because they knew, Hey, a caution's not out yet. I can go ahead and hit pit road. And then, you know, maybe other people pit behind me during the caution and I move up a little bit. Uh, luckily it wasn't enough cars to really make a difference. It was some cars that were a little bit back further in the field, um, that didn't end up really moving up that much because uh, I don't think anybody really pitted after that at that point. Um, wasn't too bad. And honestly, uh, the one thing I thought was kind of nice was Tony Stewart was in the booth with Fox this week. And Harvick was one of the cars that was a beneficiary of this, of how long it took them to throw the caution flag. The four was able to be one of them that one of them that ducked onto pit road. But Tony was, you know, actually pretty impartial and said, you know, kind of questioned the slowness of the call. He's like, you know, this is going to give them kind of an unfair advantage here that, you know, as long as they took it, I'm like, oh, that's kind of nice to see that even though one of his cars could have benefited from this he still uh, kind of called it straight down the line. So, but it is what it is. And that brings up that, I mean, every, after every road course, pretty much we hear these, these conversations about why we can't be more like formula one and have virtual safety cars or uh, you know, not full course yellows, just yellows in certain turns and various things. And the main thing we keep hearing from NASCAR over and over again, and this was something in the formula one race over the weekend I was concerned about was they did have a virtual, what they call a virtual safety car, which is where they throw a yellow flag where everyone has to slow down in a certain amount of time, but the cars are still traveling at a relatively high rate of speed. And they had officials out on the live track, pushing a car. And it's like, I'm like, this is why NASCAR doesn't want to do this because they're afraid of putting people in bad positions regardless. So mm -hmm. I thought overall in this race, even though there will be by the end of this several caution periods, and it took about, what would they say, uh, five minutes or something to make a lap under caution, something like, or two and a half minutes. Sorry, I think I went too far. I thought they did a pretty good job of doing it in that quickie yellow format where they were really only having to go around once or twice. Yeah. It didn't seem too terribly long to me as maybe road America <laughs> would, but um, anyway, I know I got really off track there, but any, I just don't think they they might look at these local yellows at some point in the future, but I can understand NASCAR's position on not wanting to put human beings in harm's way, trying to clean up a car just so we save a few minutes on TV time. So the, um, the top 15 cars actually stay out. So there is a little bit of a buffer. Um, some of the cars behind them do pit. Um, they restart at lap 56 and within, the, you know, I think not, he was ninth at the restart, but by uh, the end of turn one, he's up in the seventh. And these restarts were great when he was on the inside line. If you watched him coming up the hill, you all of a sudden see his car duck out even further to the inside. And if he could get inside of somebody uh, going into that turn, it was, a, it was a great idea, you know, cause then at that point, you know, eight, 12 wheels, whatever, better than four too. So if you're on the inside of it, you're, you know, you're not going to see as much of a problem as the guys on the outside of it. Uh, lap 58, we did caution for the seven car and, uh, Ryan's in seventh at this point and a one is leading. And of course, Jonathan says, let's stay out, you know, cause everybody at this point is pretty much in that, in that window. Um, the restart lap 59, um, you know, once again, he's on the inside going up through turn one, uh, he pretty much settles out to seventh at that point again, um, by lap 63, there's another caution, uh, this time for the 27 car. 
So the, there's the restart at lap 65, which, you know, gives us, I believe, our green-white checker here. Um, for, let's see, a caution for the 22 car. And Ryan is up to fifth at this point. So, you know, he made pretty good ground uh, for, for a guy who didn't come in, at, you know, on and pit with some of these other guys and get tires or anything like that. This is where I'm getting excited because, one, we're thinking of the Robo. So he's not in third, but he's still in fifth. He's, you just mentioned how key it was to be on the inside for this restart. He's starting in fifth on the inside. Mm-hmm. So if the car in the second row uh, decides to dive bomb the leaders and takes them all out and potentially the guy in fourth as well, I'm just picturing Ryan making the Zane Smith move from the truck race and just cruising on past everybody. So that's yeah. what I was looking for. We didn't exactly get that and we'll go through no. that, but yeah. um, it was just shades of Charlotte. I was just, all right, here we go. You know, this is what he deserves. He's had such an up and down day, kind of got forced to stick with the strategy that put them behind a little bit, but they've overcome all of that. They're up in the top five where they kind of want to be. And here it is. We're going to yeah, pick up the- this win. The, the eight, the eight's leading here. Uh, it's the eight, the one, the 16, the 48 and the 12. And, um, Ryan says, I think we're in a good spot. He says, there's some real characters here. Uh, one through three, <laughs> one through third. And so, these guys uh, are yeah. all fighting for, I mean, AJ's one, but he's not a full-time driver, but Ross and Reddick are battling for their first NASCAR cup series win and Bowman himself has shown that he's not afraid to ruffle some feathers or bend some fenders uh, to get a win too. So I think that's kind of where Ryan's coming from, but yeah, definitely when you have two guys starting on the front row that have not won a cup race before and have both come oh so close this year, I could see where Ryan thought, you know, I'm in a pretty good spot. They might just take themselves out. Yeah, lap 67, they do the restart. And uh, like we were talking about earlier, you know, he does try and come up on the inside, but the inside actually gets a little bit stacked at this point. And he ends up losing a couple spots back to eighth um, during the final lap, though, with all the drama of the final lap. Uh, you know, Ryan ends up sixth here at the line. But what ends up happening in those last couple turns between the uh, the one and the 16 and the 48 is uh, pretty amazing. Um, the, the, the 16 gets to the one and i want to say he um just nudges him okay i was gonna say gently moves him out of the way but moves him out of the way and off almost off track he gets inside of him enough he doesn't you know he gets inside of him enough he does bump into him but he does it in a manner where he can make the pass and within the next corner or two, the 48 comes around the outside of him and the 48 is coming around the outside while the one is is just barreling toward the 16 and the one punts the punting is the only word I can and use. He punts the, the 16 into the 48. And it's kind of uh, a two prong move because when you're saying punts, he does hit him initially and moves him, but then just continues what I would say drives through him. Through but him. it was like this amazing pool shot. <laughs> yeah. Cause he takes out two with one. Cause a two for one, two for one. And um, you know, like, Ryan said um, of Chase when Chase took him out, uh, you know, two two years ago. He says, "If you're gonna make that kind of move, you better win the race." And uh, and Ross, you know, Ross does. Ross takes out those two guys, comes through the last turn, heads up the straightaway by himself, and uh, he, you know, he wins. My initial thoughts were, and I'll, I'll explain. I loved it, and. The reason why I'm thinking that I loved it is because, you know, Ryan ended up with a decent finish. Um, 
a better finish than I think after he got shuffled back to AT, he ended up with a better finish because Kyle Busch ends up spinning out twice on this final lap, kind of clogging up some cars. So Ryan was able to get by some of them, plus the 16. Um, when Ross makes this move, the 16 ends up in the gravel. So he's sent all the way to the end of the pack. So that's where Ryan kind of makes up those two spots between the 18 spinning out and the 16 getting sent off course. Um, so Ryan has a decent finish at this point. I also think I really love this because Ryan wasn't involved. If Ryan was in Bowman's position, uh, especially if Ryan was in Almondinger's position, I think I would be singing a different tune right now, but I loved it. Um, I thought the fact that AJ did still make contact and move Ross out of the way and move Ross, you know, Ross almost got out to where the gravel was with that move, but didn't quite get there. So um, it was more of a, a gentle nudge and push out of the way. But I thought as soon as that contact was made, the gloves were off. And I honestly think Ross didn't expect to take out two cars at once <laughs> and maybe win the race. I think he just kind of wanted to at least get past AJ again. Um, so um, I initially cheered it. I know Josh, uh, Josh, uh, Ryan spotter commented on my, on, uh, on my, my post and said he thought it was pathetic. So, um, and I was like, yeah, I watched the replay a few more times. And I think Ross, you know, maybe gave AJ about 10 times more than what AJ gave to him. But I still kind of feel like if you, if you're going to give it, you got to be able to take it. And I think AJ's initial response after the race was saying, you know, well, we all have to sleep at night or, you know, so if you're comfortable with that, or, you know, we all have to look in the mirror, look in the mirror and, and, uh, and Ross, Ross woke up yesterday. He was smiling. (laughs) So he was fine with it. AJ today did some more interviews that he usually does uh, with some NASCAR people. And I think AJ today had kind of said, um, yeah, you know, I gave it to him and he gave it back to me. So um, they have a history. I was at the mm-hmm. Daytona Xfinity race that Ross uh, going into, you know, they were teammates at college racing and Xfinity series and Ross uh, took AJ out coming to the, the, the checkered flag at Daytona, which is not one of the places you want to do it at. And unfortunately um, it was a Chase Elliott style move from the clash where uh, they did not win. Neither of them won that race. I think Cindric might've won the race. So um that was unfortunate. So they have a little bit of a history. And I think honestly, AJ is one of the people that taught Ross how to run on road courses too, yeah. while he was at college. So yep. um, I think, I think their, their relationship was damaged slightly while they were still teammates. Now it might not be the best, but uh, you know, AJ's not out there running for points. You know, he picked up that win. If maybe if he didn't have that indie win last year, this would sting a little bit more. So, but you know, there's five more of these road course races and, people have to consider that 16 car, you know, that India win wasn't a fluke. He put himself mm-hmm. in position to win that race. That 16 car is fast, um, especially in this next gen version of the car where it's even closer to some of the cars that AJ's used to running on road courses. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, also, but again, you know, as we said, if, if that it's, it's tough to um, deal with these strategies on road course races and Ryan's had a very specific strategy. It did have a hiccup where they had to, uh, you know, throw an audible real, Uh, a little bit of an audible into it to run a little bit longer than they were expecting. But, you know, if that race runs about another five more laps and they get into their, their fuel window, we probably could have been looking at Ryan and Chastain and Bowman or Ryan, you know, and Reddick battling for that win because that strategy would have fallen right back into the 12 teams lap. So Mm -hmm. we could be talking about something totally different if the caution flies differently. And like I said, five more opportunities, um, one other thing I want to bring up about strategies, um, you know, we're several years into this now, but stages on road courses, I mean, they're still, they were able to run these alternate strategies and things that still worked out. 
but I do still kind of wish maybe there wasn't stage racing on racing on road courses because it, I thought it even made the strategies even more interesting and different and exciting when you had the whole race play out without having these, you know, breaks built in. Well, actually what it does is it makes it easier to figure out because they race uh, a road course laps wise backwards at that point and look at the fuel windows. Um, each time they're within the fuel window, they would pit and everybody would pretty much be on the same strategy. Um, if it was no, uh, no, um, stage breaks. Um, so it, yeah, I, I think it, one thing that's bad about it is that except for winning a stage, you know, stage points are important, but winning the race, it's that balance between the two. Although last year, a lot of the Hendricks cars did not worry about it. They went ahead and won the stages and then went out and won the race too. Yep. So it can be done. You know, it just kind of depends. A lot of it depends on how, where the cautions fall later on in the race. Like, like we said, if this wasn't so many cautions at the end of this race, strategies would have mended together a little bit differently. And, and Ryan's strategy would have worked out even better than it did, you know, but Hey, overall second in the first stage, fourth in the second stage. So huge stage points. And then a sixth place finish, um, you know, with everything that went on and all the melee and everything that was going on all day long, it ended up being a really, really good day. Uh, so good that he is now second in the standings. Uh, he's led a lap in every race so far this year. He has two poles already this year in six races. I mean, you know, everything is clicking. It's clicking in the right direction. You know, like I said, you want it, you want it going good. You want to win a couple races and then you want to get to those last 10 and be running better than anybody else. So like you said, huge amount of points gained by the 12 team this weekend. Actually, they gained the most points out of any team with 47. So they did start on the pole, second in the first stage, fourth in, in the second stage, six for the race. 13 points in the drivers, straight up drivers point standings, uh, 13 points behind Chase Elliott. So Ryan's in the second position. But if you take the playoff standings into account with the six winners, they are first through six. Then you have Chase in seventh and Ryan is in the eighth position when it comes to the overall playoff picture. So still well within that top 16 for playoffs sitting really, really good when it comes to just the, uh, the driver standings overall. And, um, I don't know. Things are setting up. Um, we had some, you know, we've, we've, you know, talked to some people on Twitter recently that are running some statistics. And do you have those, st- st- some yeah. of those statistics on Ryan when it comes to where he stands on laps yeah. and laps led and various things? This, this is a auto racing analytics. Um, it's at capital a capital R underscore analytics. Um, and, uh, we try to re- retweet them out. Um, uh, he, it's something that just started in the last couple of weeks. Um, I found it through, um, Jeff Gluck actually retweeted a thing or two and, uh, I got a hold of the guy and, uh, you know, he's going to try to get us something every week. So we've got some of his stuff that he does, uh, like this week. Um, he's got Ryan as the fourth fastest car during the race per median lap. Um, he was, uh, sixth fastest in the fourth quarter of the race. Um, he gained plus six position net on restarts during this race, uh, which is a 70% restart uh, position retention rate. Uh, and then he did me uh, for, for the year. Uh, so far this year, he's the fastest car on average per median lap. 
uh, second fastest on the fourth quarter of a race on average, uh, seventh, seventh best restarter gaining a total of 40 spot, spots on restarts so far this, this year. Um, so, you know, I would like, if you can, if you want to check it out, um, go on to it's auto racing analytics on Twitter. It's at capital a capital R underscore capital a for Anna and then analytics, you know, right there. So AR analytics, um, on Twitter and, and he's been doing, uh, some different things uh, every week. Uh, he gave it a top 10 restarts last week, uh, top 10 restarters last week, uh, Suarez, Kurt Busch, Kyle Larson, Bell, you know, those were the top five guys, top four guys uh, in restarts last week. So, you know, check him out. Um, go ahead and give him a follow so you can get those, those kind of stats and some cool stuff. Uh, and we're going to try and keep working with them this year. Um, I, I, you know, it's pretty interesting that somebody sit down and do something like that. I asked them, you know, you need, you know, is there any other website or anything? They has no, just you know, have people go to the Twitter page. He says, and, uh, you know, he wants to just get the information out to as many people as possible. So uh, I told him to definitely mention them on the podcast. Anytime we go to use his statistics, uh, you know, Ryan, of course, is leading in, in laps led this year, uh, a little bit over 200 laps already in, in six weeks. So, and like I said, he's led a lap in every race too. So, I mean, this is just, uh, more and more, more things to look that are positive. Um, like I said, everything's going in the right direction right now. And, uh, Richmond's coming up. <laughs> yeah. So as, as you're saying about that Twitter account to take a, a, or make a follow of, um, that's kind of the cool side. So we, we on, on race days, sometimes I interact with the bad side of NASCAR Twitter, but there is a really awesome side of NASCAR Twitter from, you know, Nicole Stellinarius, who kind of does her best to retweet some of the stuff that's happening with the radio traffic uh, for Ryan's team. Uh, this person that's kind of dived in to uh, take up the mantle of kind of racing statistics. There's a, another reporter that was out there uh, that was previously doing it, but is now actually employed at RFK Racing now. So they've kind of abandoned doing it. So this person has kind of stepped up to, to step into that uh, numbers and math and analytics part of NASCAR. There's lots of, you know, NASCAR chasms, one of those ones you should follow just for uh, the levity that he, that he brings to the sport. So lots of cool, you know, characters. And I, I'd like to think team Blaney at some point, you know, we're, we're one of those follows specifically for Blaney fans that might be a must follow when it comes to NASCAR Twitter. So um, like Steve said, go find auto racing analytics, give them a follow, find uh, Nicole Stellinarius on there. And um, you can find Steve and myself too. Well, I, you know, I retweet stuff from our own personal accounts too. So I think that pretty much wraps it up. Ryan second in the driver's standings, eighth in the playoff standings, uh, up and down day at Circuit of the Americas, but overall incredible points day, bringing home the most points of any team with 47 points on the day. Uh, before we jump into what I think is the best fantasy recap of all time, um, maybe not all time, but one of the best, uh, at least for me, let's just do our quick preview. You teased it there. Uh, the NASCAR Cup Series for the first time this year is headed to a short track on the regular season. Obviously, we're at the Clash, which was an extreme short track at a quarter mile. But at this time, we are heading out to Virginia for the Toyota Owners 400 this Sunday, April 3rd at Richmond Raceway. You can catch the race at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox and on the radio with MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So Richmond, for Blaney fans in the past, has been uh, one of those races that you, you wish could just get scrubbed off the schedule or we could skip it or let's just survive with the top 15, please. Um, 
Last year, though, Ryan Blaney turned a corner at Richmond. We had mentioned before that that was actually the track that he started his NASCAR NASCAR National Series career at when he ran for Tommy Baldwin Racing and finished in the top 10. And that turned some heads. Uh, that kind of got him on Penske and Brad Keselowski's radar, which obviously kickstarted his career to where we are now. So Richmond was actually an amazing thing for Ryan's career. But since the, those Xfinity starts, um, he had been just horrible at that racetrack um in 11 starts there he had he's to this date has an average finish of 22.2 so i believe that is um statistically his worst track on the circuit but the glimmer of hope in last season was an 11th place finish in the spring uh his best all time at that point and then in the fall race at richmond 10th broke into the top 10 i believe was this the one where he had the we, we were watching his camera and i think it was austin dylan that he had to pass and he mm-hmm. passes on the last lap to get into that top 10 and i'm sure that was one of the biggest moral victories mm-hmm. of ryan's career yeah I mean, and it's the post race he said he had a lot of fun at Which richmond you, you, know? you you'd never heard so so here's the, the difference that we're looking into so obviously that's the old car mm-hmm. um they're coming into, you know, this short track, which we saw this at the clash, you know, these cars can actually get around a short track pretty well. Um, they're coming in here with a much bigger brake package than they ever had before. Um, the handling of the car is going to be completely different. So obviously Ryan made some strides last year in the gen six car. Now we're heading to Richmond in the gen seven next gen car. And, um, I think this is another race that, I mean, maybe when we get to Martinsville, we can really see what it does on a true, cause you know, people kind of see Richmond as it's a short track, but it's not, not really doesn't race as much like a short track as Bristol or Martinsville does. Um, I want to see what this new car can do on at Richmond because the race is there, you know, people have to go all the way back to spin gate. Uh, to really get to where racing at Richmond was exciting. And that goes pretty back to the Michael Waltrip racing days. So yeah, they, it's it, been it became, a while. It became a momentum track after a while where, okay, the restarts were, were, you know, some places where you can gain like any restart, but then it became momentum and, and everybody just got to one line, had momentum. And then they got that beach ball effect um, where, you could be quicker than the guy in front of you, but once you got to him, you couldn't get enough, uh, you know, enough to pass him. You had to be really fast to pass him. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the, it'll be interesting to see if this car will race a little bit more. Um, you know, I heard somebody talking about, they were hoping that the, the right rear tire wears a little bit more. So the car slide a little bit more. Um, and maybe with this car, it will, you know, because we know that, that Ryan has, extremely good car control in those situations and and you know that's why he was all, always good on the mile and a half in those situations so it'd be nice to see that at, at the, this three-quarter uh mile track this weekend i'm really i don't know I, I don't know i have super high expectations because the car so far has been a slam dunk at pretty much every single track that it's been to this year so i'm hoping that you know we've seen these improvements everywhere else i'm hoping we see these improvements on the short track package too And like I said, top of the show, Ryan has really taken to this next gen car. He's been one of the fastest on track all year long behind the wheel of a next gen car. Um, Richmond, again, not his best track, but he was trending in the right direction. So um, we have seen guys that were good at certain tracks still be good at certain tracks. So 
Um, maybe if Ryan did learn something in a simulator that has to do with lines or things like that, or the pace of the race or like the rhythm of a lap, maybe that's still worthwhile when it comes to racing with this new car. Um, so I have my fingers crossed and uh, really looking forward to see what they can do this weekend. Yeah. When's, when's practice and qualifying uh, this weekend? Practice is going to happen Saturday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, group A and B, we don't know which group Brian's going to be in just yet. And qualifying is going to start at 11.05, 11.05 a.m. Uh, single, same deal, single vehicle, one lap, two rounds. Uh, we'll see who runs for the pole. Ryan in the old car has an average starting position of 13.5. So yeah, we'll yeah. see. He's been fast everywhere else. So we'll see where he ends up. Yeah. I mean, week. he, you know, he got a pole. Uh, he's got two so far this year and he got one of them at a road course. So that, that tells you what kind you know, what kind of driver he really is now. It doesn't matter what, what, uh, discipline of track he's, he's on, um, the car has the speed, then he's got the speed. One thing that you mentioned during the show was that, uh, Ryan has a streak going this year where he's led at least one lap in every race so far this season. This is going to be the true test. And these 11 starts at Richmond, he has never led a single lap. So um, there's another moral victory to get if he can lead a lap this weekend. And I'm hoping he leads, you know, he a only bunch needs, of laps. No, he only needs to lead one lap. Ah, that's true. It's, <laughs> it's the last one. So if you want to catch this race, the Toyota Owners 400 Sunday, April 3rd, Richmond Raceway at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox and MRN Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So the moment I've been waiting for here. Uh, the fantasy update, the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. Again, thank you everyone that's been uh, involved in this league. And um, I talk about our uh, Team Blaney Discord server that we've had going towards, since the end of last year and this year. It's gotten, I say every week, it's taken off. But um, fantasy is one of the one of the main things that we talk about during the week. And some folks kind of share their strategies, share their picks, uh, gloat about winning. <laughs> we kind of commiserate when we don't do so well, uh, talk during the race about our picks too. So uh, if you're into this fantasy racing league and uh, you want to try out Discord, you can download the app and join our Discord server. Um, you can shoot me a message. I can send you the link or you can find it in some of the past posts on the Team Blaney social accounts. Um, so anyway, going back to our recap here, I'm, uh, I had a really, I'm just going to say from the, off the bat, I had a really good weekend and I had the potential to have a, an amazing weekend, but, um, I just didn't make one of the moves that I could have that, that could have got me there, but listen to this starting lineup that I had. Uh, I thought it was pretty stellar, uh, started Ross Chastain started Daniel Suarez, both of them out of the gate, one stage one and stage two started Kyle Busch. Um, this one was on track to be really good until the very last lap of the race. And this was kind of a funny thing during the race. Uh, early in the race, Kyle did his normal Kyle Busch thing. Cars junk. This is garbage. You know, we should just take it in, give up. Kyle was running in the top five, uh, probably from the uh, end of the second stage on. Uh, so they figured things out. Unfortunately, spins and, you know, spins out of the top five to Ryan's uh benefit because Ryan ends up gaining positions because of the Kyle spins, but not to my benefit. So had Kyle Bush started Austin Sindrick, who uh, had some really great stage points on the day um, and finished well. And then Chase Elliott was my other driver that I had. This is where I made the mistake. Um, I keep putting Ryan in the garage. Uh, I don't want to use all of his starts up too much. And um, I thought, I thought 
since Kyle Bush was running the top five at the time, I didn't really need to, to make a change. Um, but I really should have, cause I was thinking the 99 car of Suarez was going to make a rebound and finish at least in the top 10. What I didn't know that was going on during this whole situation was the 99, uh, which Ryan has run into this himself, lost power steering with about 30 laps to go in this race. And this is a 20 turn track. Um, I think he did rally to like a 23rd, 24th place position, but um, I really should have, looking back on it, switched Ryan, who gained the most points of any driver, switched him out of the garage and put Suarez into the garage. Um, So that was unfortunate. Still really good points day for me. In the featured matchups, what used to be the bonus picks, I picked Chase Elliott over AJ Allmendinger. That was not working out until the last uh, couple turns there, but that worked out for me. I won that. I picked Kyle Larson over William Byron. That one I lost. I picked Truex over Sindrick. I won that by just a position. And then I picked Kyle Busch over Denny Hamlin. That one didn't work out because Kyle's spinning on the last lap. So I thought I had a pretty stellar stacked lineup. Who did you go with going into this race? I had Chase and I had Ryan. So I had the first and the fourth best uh, guys I could have picked. But once again, I had this issue where I, you know, didn't check on things and didn't move people around. And, um, Cole Custer ended up being in my lineup. Uh, and yet I had Reddick, uh, in the bank there. And if I bring Reddick out, he would have been the sixth best points guy I could have had. Um, so yeah, it just, once again, I, I, I really should pause and look at things halfway through the race or something just to make sure who's where and what I have in my lineup. But, uh, like I said, I'm, you know, I'm watching some other things at that point. So that's all right though. It's still early in the year. You all know, right. You usually right. still back into good finishes, but it didn't pass. It didn't end up working out for you this week. <laughs> this week. That's all. So let's go ahead and look at the top 10 finishers in um, points is points earned for the team bleeding NASCAR fantasy live league at circuit of the Americas in a tie for first place. We have Carolina racer 12 and bulldog 0277 at 183 points earned in third, Blaring Idiots with 182. In fourth, Panda Manda with 181 points. In fourth, uh, tied for fourth as well, Ford number 12, 181 points. In sixth, we have Bill Cunningham with 179. Seventh, Moose 1616 with 176. Tied for a three way tie for the eighth position, um, Aw 723, Rogers T, who is my wife, and Team Blaney host Adam, myself, all tied in the eighth position, 173 points. Uh, so that kind of rounds that out. Or it's, it's, it's more than a top 10 with all of those positions that are tied. So my best fantasy uh, result to date, I think my first top 10 of the season. And as I was saying, if I had just put Ryan into my starting lineup, I would have won. I would have won this week. I would have had well over the 183 points that Carolina racer 12 and bulldog uh, 0277 ended up with. So uh, I think that's the second week in a row where I wish I would have swapped somebody out. Atlanta had an excuse. There was non-existent Wi-Fi and cell service <laughs> in the grandstand <laughs> where I was at. Uh, I heard some others had better luck. Uh, so I had an excuse last week, this week, I think I was just kind of caught up in the race and Kyle Bush has, was doing fairly well. And I thought Suarez was on the comeback trail. So unfortunate for me. So why don't we go ahead to the overall standings that are uh, a little bit nicer to you. Um, So top 10 in the team bleeding NASCAR fantasy live league overall standings in the first position, we have super mod with 1,121 points 
In second, Joe Lopez won with 1,086 points. In third, David Lazaro, 1,082 points. Fourth, Bulldog 0277, 1,077 points. In the fifth position, Eric D15, 1,074. Sixth, Nutty Gamer, 1,072. Seventh, Moose Hunter 1960, 1,064. Eighth, Math Mom 4, who's been holding down the top 10 position, I think, all year long, 1,060. Then your team, I think you've dropped slightly. Mez 12 in the ninth position, 1,058 points. And our favorite and yours, the reigning champion of the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League in the 10th position, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing, 1,050 points. And I am in the 38th overall position with 9,045 points. So I'm about 105 points out of the top 10 or so. Um, So I can make that up. I can make that Mm -hmm. up in a couple of weeks if I just... uh, If I just have a lineup like I did these these past two weeks, and um, we're still so doing co- pretty well, so so you copied your wife's lineup. You know, I don't. <laughs> I think I gave. I'm trying to remember. I feel like I gave her some advice, but she's getting better and better at this. I don't know. So, you guys had the same total last week. I don't yeah, know. Oh, that's oh, that's a good point. Yeah, two weeks in a row. So we've been mm-hmm. we same total last week, tied this week. I don't know. I told I you to see. take. I told you to take her advice. I got. I got to have to hide my phone. See if it's been hide my phone, my iPad. I got too many things ha- ha- hanging around where she could steal pics. I'm gonna let you know. I'm gonna let her know. Uh, we'll see what's going on here. But again, thanks everyone who's been uh, joining us for the fantasy league. It's fun every week. Like I said, we get to talk about it on the podcast. We talk about it on Twitter with some fans, and we can talk about it on all the members of the Team Blaney Discord server. Uh, 93 people have participated in the league so far. So there's still space for about seven more people if they want to hop in and start making picks now. And I can guarantee you can make your way up into the top 10 if you're just consistent in making picks and making some decent picks. So um, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this yeah. week's episode of the, of the Team Blaney podcast. Hopefully everyone is going to tune in to this race this next uh, this weekend at Richmond. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, I think it's something it's, you're going to want to catch. It's a Sunday race instead of the Saturday night that they used to do. So you know, sleep in a little bit, uh, and, uh, and be ready for Sunday afternoon racing. Um, if you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, or if you, uh, you know, haven't told a friend yet, uh, let some people know about it. Uh, in the weeks to come here, we're working on some guests, we're working on some things, uh, to get some, uh, some different voices on here. Some, uh, some people, um, hopefully we get to some special guests in the next couple of weeks. So, Tell other people, get them on here, get them to subscribe, uh, show them how to download a podcast so they don't know how to do it. Uh, we want to share this with as many uh, Ryan fans as we can uh, so that uh, when uh, when we do get those wins as the year goes on, um, we're uh, celebrating together. Um, keep the faith, too. You know, something was brought up to me um, that we used to say back in the Dave days, uh, keep the faith. The, the things are going good and they're getting even better. And, um, like I said, you don't want to peak at the beginning of the year. You want to peak at the end of the year, you know, guy who won the championship last year, won five of the last 10 races. So let's make sure by the end of the year that that's what we're doing. And, um, I know that everybody is working hard toward that. Uh, so keep the faith in these guys, uh, you know, it's hard work, uh, and, uh, every day they go to work and they're trying to make, make themselves all better. So that, uh, like I said, at the end of the year, you're peaking. Yeah, that keep the faith mantra definitely makes me smile thinking of some of those folks that that really pushed that during the the Dave Blaney fandom days. Um, And as you just kind of said, tell a friend about the Team Blaney podcast. It's been really amazing. We were just talking about uh, before we started recording, you know, we've basically 
uh, more than doubled our listenership from when we launched this podcast uh, more a little over a year ago uh, before last season. The social media channels that we have between Facebook and Twitter continue to grow week by week. Mm-hmm. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly that, that that social media can be. We've still met mm-hmm. a ton of folks. We've met people at races uh, that are that follow Team Blaney, listen to this podcast, which has been you know truly humbling. The fact that you know hundreds of people tune in and listen to Steve and I talk about you know a very specific driver. So obviously we know you know we're never going to be door bumper clear or Dale Jr. download. That's not going to happen because we're such a niche uh, or in a niche market here, just following mm-hmm. Ryan. Um, but just the fact that, you know, hundreds of people download this podcast every week to, to listen to us, give a recap in our thoughts. And uh, we, like I said, we just try to give you the who, what, where, when, and why uh, things have happened on the track, you know, why strategies went the way they did, why stops went the way they did, why races played out the way that they did, you know, you know, we're not, we're not perfect. We're not, you know, the complete experts on everything, but we watch races a little bit differently. We pay attention for the nuances. We pay attention to the strategy calls and where Ryan's running at and why he's running in certain positions. And we know it's different from how everybody else might watch a race, but that's what we're just trying to bring to you just to kind of give you, you know, maybe the story behind the story that you didn't really notice that was going on during the race. And um, we, you know, we, we welcome everyone from all walks of life, all types of fans and it's yeah. been great to interact with you. Yeah. We want to follow, you know, follow along. And as the success is there, you know, we want to share it with everybody. Um, what's great is, yeah, we don't know everything, but you know what? We forged some nice relationships with some people and I can ask a question and get an answer too that uh, might uh, enlighten uh, something that we may or may not have known happened, you know, during the weekend. Uh, you know, there's some people behind the scenes that are, that have kind of helped us and, um, you know, given us some insight into things and, uh, you know, it, it's the type of people that you want to root for, you know, that's, that's part of it too. Uh, because you know, that, uh, they're trying to, to do everything they can to, to help Ryan be successful every week. And, uh, you know, we want to help, we want to help any way we can too, you know? Yeah. Something I, I said in an interaction with a, a follower this, this week was, you know, we would love to just give you a recap where everything went perfect. Ryan wins the race every single week. That would be awesome. But this is sports. <laughs> this is motorsports <laughs> yeah. too. Everything's so volatile yeah. and can change on a dime. So we're not going to get that every week. And that's part of it. If we were winning every single week, it would get boring after a while. Maybe, maybe not, yeah. but, um, yeah, but it you- could. So we we ride the ups and downs. That's what makes it exciting to follow every week. So like I said, thank you everyone that's, that's tuned in to this podcast over the last year and more now that we've gone into our second season here. Thanks for everyone that's found us on social media between Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And just thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just go ahead and check out our debut episode from our first season that dives deep in how we both became fans of the Blaney racing family. You can interact with, interact with us, as I just said, on Twitter and Facebook at Team Blaney and on Instagram at team.blaney. And finally, we really, really want to encourage you. And this brought up because the, um, the Blaney Bunch fan club um, this is what they're about on the, the year anniversary of when that happened. So emails, I think, are going out to members about re-upping for this year. But we encourage you to help support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. And one of the ways you can do that is by joining the Blaney Bunch Fan Club. This organization is championed by Ryan and his family and supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation online at ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org or on all of their very active social media accounts. 
one huge thing that they have coming up in May is the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation driving for for good. <laughs> this is going to be what they describe as a casual and fun vintage golf themed fundraising event um, that supports the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation and its fund a fellow program that they have in partnership with UPMC Sports Medicine. Um, this is going to be a team tournament play at the um, Top golf, Charlotte University, I believe. So they have, you know, you can join a team. Um, there's a $10,000 hole in one contest. They're going to have a silent auction that's presented by Brian's sponsor, by uh, Ryan's sponsored body armor. Ryan Blaney is going to be on site for this uh, golf tournament there at that Top Golf. So everyone that uh, purchases a package to participate is going to get a photo opportunity with Ryan and get to chat with him for a little bit. So you can find all of the information. Uh, about this event that's coming up through the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation social media accounts. I'm also going to go ahead uh, after this post tomorrow, I'm going to make a post about this on social media too. So if you want to find out some more information, um, they have everything available from being a title sponsor uh, to sponsoring the whole in one to uh, being just an individual individual that wants to participate in this event. And like I said, Ryan will be there in person. Um, can't guarantee any other special guests, but I know he has some connections with some pretty decent friends in the, in the industry and other folks that really like to play golf. So if you want to participate, I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping Josh will be there, you know, uh, you know, if he, he honestly should be, (laughs) he can give everybody a lesson or two. Yeah. It's a lesson or two. That's what I'm saying. His, his, your entry fee is probably worth at least one lesson from Josh. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's pretty good at it. So like I said, just do everything you can. We, we try to do our part in raising awareness and everything for the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Uh, honestly, that was kind of one of the reasons, one of the benefits of starting this podcast was I thought I could use it as a platform uh, to do everything that I can to point people in that direction. But for now, and for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll go ahead and catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Good night, Dublin. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming. Hope you enjoyed it.